Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, the podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 116 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony, and we are happy to be back and have another week of reviewing beers and talking about the Bible. That's right, man. It's going to be a fun week, I think. I think it is, too. I knew Michael and I, we were talking a little bit ahead of time. We've both had, like, really draining weeks. And when I have a really draining week, I feel really good about Thursday night because I'm like, I look forward to recording on Thursday nights yes. when it's been a long week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Same. And it's definitely been that this week. It's just been kind of been like one thing after another. It's just never stopped. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. For, for me, just work has just been like, there's a lot of these extra, not kind of weird things we're having to deal with. We've had... Um, our purchasing guy was out for a couple of days, and then one of our engineers is out. They just had a baby, and so uh, like, and then we still have to get all of our regular stuff done, and so mm-hmm. it's kind of like, hmm, we're figuring out things as we go. So, um, yeah, it's usually how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, other than that, Anthony, how you doing? Man, other than that, other than it just being a. a to the wall week it's uh it's been good um i feel like you know we're we're getting into a stride now we're we're kind of finishing up school i'm ready for summer um it was like 30 degrees for two or three days here Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. down here in south alabama you have we don't have four seasons in south alabama we actually have in this case kind of like this in georgia too or if i remember it right you have 12 seasons yep um, so you have like winter, which is two weeks long. Then you have fall, spring. Then you have second winter. Then you have two days of warm. Then you have third winter. You know, and so I've, everybody's been passing around like you're here, you're in fall, spring. Yep. Um, Full spring. Yeah. <laughs> no, so but it, it, I'm ready for hot though. Yeah, oh my gosh, I'm so ready for heat. <laughs> it's true. Um, I got out yesterday. Had some. Uh, we had snow like a month ago, and I had not gotten out in the yard and like cleaned up some of the like branches and stuff that fell out of our big tree out in the front and mm-hmm. i did that yesterday and i was like man i wish i had about three more hours of daylight so i could get this done because <laughs> again I, you know, I get home at like 5 30 and the sun goes down at 6 20 and so mm-hmm. you know i'm trying to get trying to get it all done lucky you get an extra hour well, our son is our son is gone at like 5 15 <laughs> well one day i'll get all those dang branches up but dang other branches. than that yeah i know it's a it's a pretty tree, but it is a nightmare to keep up with. But mm-hmm. usually, like a rule of thumb, I've always said with trees, the better looking they are, the more work they take to keep up. Like well, oak trees are beautiful, but yeah. they're pain. Yeah, I mean the tree we have in our. I mean you've seen the tree. It's it's like yeah. it's one of the prettier trees on our street. We're the only mm-hmm. we're the only house that has I think that particular tree, and uh, but we're also the only house in the neighborhood that's had 
branches in its yard for a month since the last <laughs> snow. So we'll get it figured out. Oh, we'll, we'll get it cleaned up at some point. And, uh, oh, well. That'll be good. There you go. What else happened in your, your neck of the woods? Not much, man. Uh, we're just getting, you know, staying busy. Um, I didn't tell you we started working. I, I didn't send you a picture of what we've done in the nursery yet, have I? No, you haven't. I need an update. I'll do that later. But we've been working in the okay. nursery um, nice. and uh, getting it ready for the arrival of our uh, second son. And we are just Woo-woo. staying busy with that. Uh, my wife is, I believe, 25 weeks pregnant this mm-hmm. week. So we're just uh, kind of getting into the home stretch. She was walking around earlier today and was like, ugh. <laughs> Got Get so to much, that stage, got, huh? but she's got so she's like, <laughs> but I've got so much longer to go too, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of the kind of the deal here. So um, <laughs> no, but we're doing good. Just uh, everyone's relatively healthy. I'm still fighting. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I'm still fighting um, the lingering effects of uh, the last batch of COVID I had. So uh, that's fun. I'm still congested, yeah. and I've, that was like three or four weeks ago. So I'm hoping that I'm going to get through that. In the next day or two, out. because I'm supposed to be uh, helping lead worship on Sunday at church. So, nice. um, hopefully, I mean, worst case, it'll just be uh, congested Michael up there. Leading, <laughs> congested Michael. Try, helping lead worship <laughs> on Sunday. So, um, that's awesome. That's what's going on with us, man. We're just, we're good, staying, staying as busy as we can and mm-hmm. getting things done. So, sweet. Well, let's drink some beer tonight. I uh, let's do What it. are you going to drink? Okay, I'll go. Um, I have from the Wise Acre Brewing Company in my home city, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. This is the third Wise Acre beer that we've done. This is the Gotta Get Up to Get Down Coffee Milk Stout. Um, you're you're on a milk stout run here. I know. That's three weeks in a row I've done a stout. Um <laughs> It's really cool. It's it's the last beer from my first beer subscription mm-hmm. that I haven't tried yet. I've tried a couple of the other ones, not on the podcast, just because I couldn't wait. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is a uh, just a coffee milk stout. Um, WiseAcreBrew.com um, has the description here. Um, it's, it asks the question, what's the difference in a milk stout and other stouts? Glad you asked. All stouts use <laughs> roasted barley, but milk stouts use lactose sugar, which is unfermentable and provides a residual sweet, sweetness. Um, oh. So there you go. We learned something today. So The, the gotta, more you know. Yeah, the Gotta Get Up to Get Down has an ABV of 5%, uh, 15 IBUs, um, uses two-row roasted barley, rolled oats, and lactose sugar malts. And it nice. uses an ale yeast. There's a lot of information on this one. That's that, a, that's a lot, man. This is that's rare for us because we don't typically get a ton of um, ton of information on the beers that yeah. we've had the last uh, last few weeks. So, so the last few weeks, there there just haven't been a whole lot there, of stuff out there. There hasn't been, which is you know we we get it, but it's part it's part of the deal sometimes. So that's, that's right. what I got a, a coffee milk stout from Wiseacre. What are you drinking? Nice. So tonight I'm going to have, if you are a uh, New Orleans Saints fan, you're going to love it. Uh, it's called the Houdat Golden Ale, and it is from Urban South Brewery in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, and their description says the the Houdat Ale is brewed with Pilsner and flaked barley and fermented with a hybrid yeast, allowing this beer to ferment 
as an ale than condition as a lager. And I thought that was kind of interesting because ales, if I'm remembering right, ales are fermented warm and lagers are fermented cold. And and so they added some other stuff, citra hops and uh, heart, I can't even say that, Hallertau Blanc in the kettle to give this a punch of fragrant lemongrass, green grape, and grapefruit. So that's their description. Comes in at 5% ABV. But something we haven't talked about, because I haven't seen it, is pairings. I know we talk about what we would pair it with kind of mm-hmm. after we drink it. Yeah. This one actually has pairings on the website, and I'm going to stay one because it says pairs with Popeye's chicken. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> of course, being from Louisiana, I'm, like, I'm not surprised at that. But I that's just love that they put though. it like, pairs with Popeye's chicken. That's pretty smart of them, actually, to say, like, hey pair this thing with this other thing from louisiana Dude. yeah it says pairs with popeye's chicken brass bands and king cake <laughs> i'm like what, what an you, interesting what combo. you need to do is drink one of these and get your king cake ale from last week out oh my god mix them together <laughs> oh well maybe not together <laughs> so um i'll probably catch flat for this from the uh christian uh listeners of our podcast i Uh-oh. think i think popeye's is better than chick-fil-a Ooh, see, I think the Popeyes I disagree with I think you. The Popeyes chicken sandwich is better than the Chick Fil A chicken sandwich. I've never had the Popeyes chicken sandwich. Well, but I'll also say something. I'm not a huge fan of the Chick Fil A chicken sandwich. Okay, I may, I mean I don't know. Maybe I don't love Jesus, but this is a safe. Space I like their chicken. This is a safe I like space. their chicken nuggets, but and and their uh, the Chick Fil A sauce. Now you like, I'll put Chick Fil A sauce on anything. Because I love that stuff. Well, but if you have a Popeyes in in your town, you should go get you a chicken sandwich. You know what chicken is better than Popeyes, though, right? Uh, Bojangles. Uh, negative. Raisin churches. canes. Churches. Churches. Oh chicken yeah, you is like churches. You oh my gosh, churches is so good. You weirdo. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get into a debate on which chicken is better here. What chicken is better? All right, so let's do this. Let's crack open our beers and get to drinking. And let's uh, do it. See what we got going on. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. I'm really hoping this is kind of just like a. Oh my! Mine smells oh. like coffee. <laughs> like it smells Mine like a smells co- like regular beer. Mine smells like a coffee shop coffee. Oh dear! Like I may need to go get some cream. <laughs> that good, huh? Well, we're gonna have to wait a few minutes because I have completely forgotten how to pour beer again. Again with this, <laughs> dude. I'm, I'm using my big mug. And <laughs> <laughs> You have got you've got to take a picture of that right now, <laughs> dude. I wish you could smell this. This smells like black coffee, really. Like just straight up, like like you've taken grounds out of a coffee filter. That's what it smells like. Nice. Like it smells like a coffee shop. It's amazing. Yeah. We're in a half a minute, apparently. I poured mine good, yeah. so I mean, it's I'm, gonna. I mean, I'm, I think it's gonna go down quick because it's it's real loose. But yeah, I definitely like. I thought I was gonna turn my cup to the side, and apparently I didn't, and I just it just went, and I was like, well, it's too late now. <laughs> Might as well One hand roll didn't with know it. what the other hand was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But I will say that like this looks like a regular, just kind of a normal beer. Mm-hmm. 
It actually smells kind of like a normal beer, uh, normal beer, which is kind of what I'm hoping for. Because we, I like the two of us have been on some kind of crazy kick. I was looking at the last few weeks, you know, with the king cake, the moon pie. I did that meat. Oh, by the way, I was going to follow up and tell you I drank the other meads mm-hmm. um, that my buddy gave me, Marcus, and uh, I have officially concluded that I don't like meats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The, there was fair. one that was in that was an apple pie and it tasted good, but it, it was again it was the texture. It was like it was like the um, grandma's apple pie, mm-hmm. but in soda form. And I just I couldn't I couldn't do it. And so either either meads are in soda form and I don't like them, or that the Saint Ambrose has a different texture of meads than than anybody does but okay so i'm go i'm looking back through all of the beers that we've ta- had and it has been i think si- five or six episodes since i had something regular but go looking back at yours like i don't see the last time you had like maybe 102 citra donkey down yeah was maybe that, was that regular ish no it was an ipa that i do remember that oh that was an ipa so but like, like you did the king cake, we did moon pie, you did the lemon, the tartness, the Arnold Palmer, the Sour Patch Kids, hazelnut chocolate porter, tiki slam. Was that a sour? Um, no, that one wasn't a sour. That one was. Uh, that one was good too. Mm. Oh, it was a it was a blood orange something. Oh, well. It just looks like it's been a while since we've done something regular. Maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need to start looking for the regular stuff. The end of Philippians is just going to be regular beers. Actually, my next beer subscription is supposed to ship soon. So I and I nice. think there's some uh, unique stuff in that too. So um, nice. Well, are you ready? Well, are, are you good to I'm go? I'm good. Okay, I'm good. I can drink now. Okay, well let's roll. Bottoms up. Here we go. Bottoms up. All right, I think I can go first on this week. Okay, go ahead. Because because I'm gonna let I feel like yours is gonna gonna have have a great breakdown. So, um, the Hudak Golden Ale is to me, I mean, it's it's almost exactly like like what you want. It's got a little bit more bitterness than I like. Um, out of an ale, it's it, I can see where they're getting the lager thing from. It's it's got a little bit of a lager mm-hmm. feel to it. Um. With the IBUs being at 10, though, I wasn't expecting this amount of bitterness. Um, mm. It's a little bit more bitter than what I was expecting. But it's a good ale. It's definitely got that that light, citrusy type of, of uh, texture to it. Um, it would be a great... I mean, I, honestly, I think it would go great with Popeye's chicken. Um, chicken and beer is one of my favorite things to eat. So, <laughs> um, But with that... I'm gonna come in. It's it's good. It's not great. Um, it's probably better than most. So I'm gonna give it four Luthers. Okay, I'll give it four Luthers because it's it's got a good flavor. Um, like I said, the only kind of negative thing on the flavor is the is the bitterness, and it's kind of like a bitter aftertaste. So uh, good job there on the Hudat Golden Ale Urban South four Luthers. And now let's hear about this. Got to get up to get down stout. So um, I'm gonna preface this. If you do not like coffee, you will not like this beer. Okay. This Michael take, loves coffee. I know that for I do fact. love coffee. I, <laughs> I love a good cup of coffee. Um, not terribly picky. I'm not like a coffee snob or anything. I am kind of the opposite, though. Um, I don't like cheap coffee. 
mm-hmm. and I don't like old man coffee. So you don't like Folgers or Maxwell House? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much if it comes in a tin. Um, no. So <coughs> I can't talk. I use a curate like every day. So, um, But this thing, it tastes like um, – it smells like a coffee shop. And it tastes mm-hmm. like, um, you know, have you ever had like chocolate covered coffee beans? I think so. Yes. So you can get these like they're they're just straight up like, excuse me. I think they're roasted coffee beans that have been covered in chocolate. This mm-hmm. what this tastes like. It, it's okay. Really smooth. The it's bitter because it's coffee. It's not bitter because it's beer. Um, yeah. I could totally see adding maybe some cream or something to this and making it almost like a like a pseudo white russian with mm-hmm. instead of using uh vodka or is it vodka and uh, kalua yeah using just beer and and cream um but um it's actually surprisingly very good i'm historically not a huge fan of just straight up stouts mm-hmm. if there's nothing like to Nothing specific, like the moon pie stout that tastes like a moon pie that didn't taste like a stout. Um, I am going to give this four and a half Luthers. Okay. It is that good. It's, it's just, it, there's, <clears throat> is missing that little bit of, I almost, I almost gave it a five. It's just missing yeah. a little bit of something. I don't know what the something is though, to push yeah. it over the top to a five, but four and a half out of five is phenomenal. Um, pretty good on our, on our rating scale here. So, um, but the gotta get up to get down coffee milk stout from Wiseacre getting four and a half Luthers from me. Boom. Well, there's some, uh, there's some beer reviews and now we're going to keep it on, keep going on in the flipping. We are going to finish chapter two and I know you think I'm crazy right now, but we're going to do it. So stick around and we'll be right back. Welcome back. We are diving into the end of Philippians chapter 2 tonight. We're going to be halfway done with Philippians as of tonight. And in the words of Bon Jovi, we're halfway there. We're living on a prayer. Sorry. (laughs) I was wondering which, I mean, I knew which one. I was just wondering how you're going to incorporate it into what you were saying there. But you did good. I'm proud of you. That was was impressive. (laughs) Almost as impressive as the Super Bowl halftime show, which everyone between the ages of 37 and 47 enjoyed. It was specifically geared for that age group. Nobody else enjoyed it, and we could care less if y'all enjoyed it or not because we loved it. Okay, so you did enjoy so, it. Here, here's here's my thing. We didn't talk about this. Um, I had literally heard maybe two of the songs they performed. I knew all of them. And I have no connection to that any of that music at all. Yes. That was literally... So, driving into my high school when I was 16, 17... Um, what year is this? Sound system, this is 1998. 
99 and 2000. Okay. I graduated in 2000. Okay. And, of course, back then it was really cool to have subs. And so you'd have subs and you would have tweeters. And you wouldn't replace anything other than the subs and the tweeters. So your your car stereo would sound like really low, like boom, 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 rumbling. And it'd sound like that's all you'd hear. Nothing else in between that. Yeah. And everybody had it. And um, that was, I mean, and that's what people played. It was Slim Shady. It was Dr. Dre. It was Snoop. It was Mary J. Blige. That was my high school experience. So thank you, Super Bowl, for reminding me that I am going to be 40 years old this year. And let's not dwell on that any longer. Let's talk about the Bible. (laughs) Oh, well, you said Snoop. I, did I send this to you? I, I want to read it because I thought it was hilarious. Read it. Um, I don't know if you did. So Snoop Dogg is in the news because he smoked a joint right before his Super Bowl performance. Yes. Call, call me crazy, but it would be news if Snoop Dogg didn't smoke a joint right before his Super Bowl performance. I, yes, that's ex, that's exactly true. I would have been surprised if Snoop didn't smoke. Just comical, so. to, just comical to me. Anyway, let's get into the Bible before we end up talking <laughs> about the, fo- the uh, football game that happened last Sunday. The, the supreme football game that's supposed to be... Anyway, so we're diving into um, chapter two. We're going to finish chapter two tonight. And this is really... So tonight, this is a conclusion. This is like almost like putting a bow on it. Paul's going to talk about some more stuff in chapters three and four, but... If you if you want to kind of think of the the larger context of where we've been for the last three weeks, you have the start of chapter two, really kind of the end of chapter one leading into the start of chapter two, talks about the humility of Christ and how we should focus on um, living our life worthy of the manner of the gospel, gives the Christ hymn, the, that section there, talking about the ultimate picture of humility. Last week, we talked about being lights in the world and imitating Christ as that the, the light of the world, and then tonight... Paul is going to give us two examples, two examples that he is very familiar with. Uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus um, are two people that that, uh, Paul has worked closely with. Epaphroditus is actually a member of the Philippian church, Um, and so they would have been very familiar with him. Timothy is kind of like Paul's right-hand guy in, in ministry, and so it makes sense that these two are put out as examples uh, by Paul. And so, so that's what we're gonna. That's what we're kind of where we're going tonight. Um, but as we dive into this, I'm gonna read our text for the night, which is gonna be Philippians two, verses eighteen through thirty. It's a lot of stuff to tackle tonight, so let's get into it. Uh, it's actually nineteen through thirty. It is nineteen through thirty. Nineteen through thirty. Yeah. Um, well, eighteen says likewise. You should be glad and join rejoice with me. So that's where we ended up last week. So nineteen through thirty. Here we go. Um, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Remember, Paul's in prison, just trying to figure that out. Uh, And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. 
for he has been longing for you and all has been distressed and he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I may rejoice. Oh, wait, hang on. I think I skipped a line here. Yeah. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow and the I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what is lacking in your service to me. And it seems kind of weird the way Paul is talking on this, uh, mm-hmm. talking about this. It's definitely confusing to read. Obviously, because <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels out of place. Um, one of the co- the commentary we're using, um, the Christ centered exposition, um, kind of gives the main idea of this section, right? And it says, mm-hmm. um, as Paul gives the travel plans of Timothy and Epaphroditus, he holds them up as Christ like examples worth watching and following. Um, yeah, and it's definitely like all throughout this passage. Like, yes, Paul is giving these this, these travel plans of these of these two. Um, mm-hmm. But he's also saying, look at these guys as examples to follow. Um, yeah. It's kind of weird to have a travel itinerary here. It's yeah, a little, I mean, of, it seems out of place if, if yeah. you look at the rest of Paul's letters. Um, with the exception of, was it 1 Corinthians maybe? There's an itinerary out of place there as well. Yeah. Well, in 1 Corinthians is... is Realistically, there's four letters of First Corinthians, right? And so, two of them made it into Scripture. Two of them did not, right? So, but but I think it's I I don't remember exactly where, but I believe the commentary said that is like First Corinthians four. There's mm-hmm. a similar passage of like an itinerary like this, yeah. Um, and so it feels like it feels like Paul's getting ready to wrap up this letter and be done. You know, yeah. it's it's very similar to how he's finished some other letters, um, yeah. C.J. Mahaney, I thought this quote was funny. He said, no one's favorite verse is found in this passage. <laughs> he is not wrong. <laughs> like, I don't like. I don't know what life verse you could pull out of it. Like, uh, I, I don't even know what if you could pull a life verse out of this out of this passage at all. Like, but anyway, you know, you know who would get some uh, verse out of this? The Instagram account, the Bible is funny. Yes, they would probably pull something from they, this. They should. So, yeah. So we're looking at this. We have this travel itinerary, and, and mm-hmm. the first question I had when I'm reading this, and I'm like, seriously, this is this is what we have here. Why yeah. why is this even here? Um, but we, but we got to remember. Sorry, hang on. Uh oh, taking a sip. Got to get a little mixed out. We have to remember that the Church of Philippi is supporting Paul. Yeah. Supporting his ministry and, and supporting him even while he's in prison. And Paul is communicating here. Communication is very, very important. Yeah. If you had a relationship with another human being, you understand that <laughs> communication is vital. Yeah. Um, and so Paul, Paul's, you know, he's extending thanks to the church, but he's also outlining his plans here. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Paul doesn't communicate this back to the church, they don't when when Epaphroditus shows up, they're going to be like, "Whoa, what are you doing here?" Or exactly. when, or, or Timothy shows up, <laughs> "Hey, what's going on?" Like like the church needs to know what's going on because again, yeah. the whole church isn't going to see Paul. 
Yeah. If you've ever like supported or financially backed or or anything like that, a, a missionary like an on the field missionary directly, mm-hmm. then something like this really doesn't seem out of place. Um, because they, I mean, I get, I have a couple of missionaries that I that I support um, personally. And and I get letters once a month, and they're saying, you know, we've traveled over here, we've done this, we did some ministry in this area, and what they're doing is is they're just kind of giving you a constant running commentary on what God is doing in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, this seems like a, a travel itinerary, but it's also at the same time it is an update on what God's been doing, because mm-hmm. Paul is telling them, I need Timothy here to help me. I'm sending Epaphroditus back to you. Epaphroditus brought your gift to me. Thank you. You know, there's there's that that level of thanks right there. Thank you for supporting the ministry, that kind of thing. And it's it this almost reads like a here's everything that's happened in the last few weeks, and here's what's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. This, uh, is a, this part is a newsletter. Is that what you're this saying? Is a new- <laughs> In today's language, we would call it a newsletter. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, good old but, Paul. But that's right, good old Paul. But it does like it in when you're talking about scripture, it seems out of place because we don't think of letters from our missionaries as like scripture, you know. Right. And so it, it does seem out of place. But you know, you ask that question, why this and why here, and then why is it in the middle of the book? Because Paul would typically put these kinds of things at the end of a book. You know, he says what he's got to say. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, one more thing. Here's where I'm going to be going. You know, yeah. here's here's where I'm going to be. That's kind of like his one more thing in a lot of these other books. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people have actually argued, and, and I, you know, I can understand their argument, but I don't know that I would agree with it, um, that Philippians is actually two separate letters. Mostly because Paul would occasionally write, actually he would pretty consistently write multiple letters to churches. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like um, we were just and, talking about the he wrote Corinthians. four letters to Corinthians and two made yeah. it in the scripture. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's a it's an under like you said, you can understand where the argument comes from. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean we agree with it. Yeah, um, you don't have to agree with it, but no. but it it's not it's not far fetched, right? It's not crazy. It's not unreasonable to think that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have the book of Philippians and we're talking, is it two, two letters? Is it one letter? I would say that it's one letter because I mean, it's four chapters. It's, it's short enough to be one letter. Um, it's possible that Paul just wrote this and then he was like, all right, I'm going to be sending a paradise. So let me give him this thing. And then I got a couple more things to say. One we, more thing. We've said it almost every way. Just one more thing. <laughs> Just one more thing. <laughs> um, um, there's there's people that argue that Paul had ADD. Maybe this is the reason that they argue that he had ADD. Who knows? <laughs> but this section seems, in, in this travel itinerary thing that we're talking about here, it seems mundane. It seems like this is not important. And so, um, but what Paul is showing us is that even in the things that we would label as mundane or boring, God is still working. He's still working in just you doing the things that you have to do on a daily basis, getting up, going to work, eating breakfast, eating lunch. You know, mm-hmm. We always hear the extraordinary stories and we think, oh, I wish I could be like that. And the extra, extraordinary stories are great, but that's not the stat- like that's not the normal Christian life. Right. 
And so we should rejoice in those extraordinary stories, but all the more we should rejoice in just the normalcy of life. Because it's that it's that normalcy that allows you to live a consistent day in, day out, taking up your cross like like Christ commanded. He, you know, in, in the gospels he says, Take up your cross daily. Yeah. If if it's if it's something that's extraordinary and and understand Taking up your cross is extraordinary, yes. But if it's something that's out of the norm, then then it would be it would be different. But taking up our cross is something that's supposed to happen on a daily basis. Yeah. And so this type of normal Christian life is is really, I mean, I think it's it's really interesting. Yeah. This is where this is almost like the meat right here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily that enjoyable, but this is where you you can almost grab the most amount of success in your in your Christian life with you, consistency. Do you think that the obsession in the Christian or in the church, Big C Church, do you think the mm-hmm. obsession with the over sensationalism or the mm-hmm. you know extraordinary, bigger, better, whatever, do you think part of that is driven by how we see the culture around us as over sensational and extraordinary and like you know in the business world everything's about mm-hmm. gain 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 and then that kind of like trickles into the church do you think there's some of that like that's why we as christians like when somebody has this extraordinary encounter with jesus or this radically changed life or mm-hmm. whatever from like uh drug addict to a worship leader like i don't know Mm -hmm. that's like an example i don't know of anything like specific but like do you think that's why we like grasp onto those kind of stories but then like the more quote-unquote mundane day in day out parts of our walk are like less exciting to us as believers do you think that's do you think that's got anything to do with it oh i absolutely would and you know as much as we want to try to say we're we're countercultural as Christians, much of what we do is not countercultural, but we're just ten to fifteen years behind actual culture. Mm. Um and and I'll I'll give an example and you're not gonna be surprised my exam by my example, but I would say that the cable news cycle has contributed more to the demise of the church than Satan worshiping has. You know, and and you're gonna be like, well, that's a pretty far fetched statement, and maybe it is. Maybe it's a sensational statement. I don't, you know, <laughs> maybe it is. But the the point that I'm trying to make is that if you watch the news for any point of you know reference time, call it a week, what you're gonna see flip back and forth between the channels that you like and the channels that you don't like, and what you're gonna see is people sitting up there at desks trying to grab your attention with the most outrageous headline that they possibly can to keep you on their channel. And the reality of this is is that cable news networks are no different than any marketing firm trying to project an image about a product that you should buy. Mm. Okay? And I'll give you two examples. MSNBC is pandering to the liberal mindset. Fox News is pandering to a a Republican mindset, a conservative mindset. 
But what it's doing is those two opposite ends of the spectrum, if you will, and neither of those are, are those are, I would actually say those two are actually more towards the center when you start talking about some of the other, mm-hmm. you know, news voices that are out there that really over-sensationalize everything. Um, but those are just kind of the two most well-known. And so you end up with this this thing where MSNBC is going to frame a story a certain way, and Fox News is going to frame the exact same story a different way in an effort to generate people watching their shows so that they can generate advertising, so that they can generate funds, so that they can pay more people to sit at desks and generate, you, you see where the cycle is going? Yeah. And that's what's led to our sensationalism. And and we as a church have bought into that mindset. You know, we have to have something sensational to get them to come to our church. And, and then we have to do something else sensational to get them to stay at our church. And... I want to say there there was a report that came out in the last four or five weeks. I, I want to say I saw a couple of people sharing it where people who are my age, your age, and, and a little bit, you know, really from my age down. So call it, I'm almost 40. Michael's 30. You're 32? Mm-hmm. Okay, 32. So we're going to say 45 to 25, a 20-year span, which would be considered a generation. That group, that age group, is is the ones who are becoming the next generation of leaders in the church right now. And mm-hmm. there was a study that said that the younger generation wants less show and more substance in their church attendance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think it's a it's a warning sign to churches who base who found everything now. I'm I'm not meaning churches that do things with excellence and and they, you know, they have a genuine love to be excellent and use their talents and abilities for for the glory of God. I'm not talking about that. Mm-hmm. But churches that do it for the show, those kind of churches are quickly becoming extinct and and they're quickly falling apart. Yeah. And I'll give you I'll give you one big example that I know of off the top of my head and that's Willow Creek. You know, when Bill Hybels went down in his in his scandal, Willow Creek fell to shambles. And the other one that I can think of is Mars Hill out in Seattle. Mm-hmm. If you've listened to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, you know exactly what happened there. I mean, that was a church that rose to twenty, thirty thousand people a week, and now it's doesn't exist. In a matter of like six weeks, it went from peak to nothing. Right. And and it was because of this sensationalist attitude that they had, um, and so I I think it's I don't know maybe we're dwelling too much on this, but I feel like it's something that is affecting our churches in a very very negative way that is affecting the way that we are portraying the gospel to the world around us. Yeah, I think it's very telling if the younger generation is saying what they want in their church, especially if they're becoming the leaders of their church. Mm-hmm. Right. If if these if the young people are saying we need more substance, we need more depth, we need more yeah. um, intentionality in discipleship. If if that is what yeah. the people that you are calling on to lead, the people you're calling on to lead your church, if that's what they are saying they need, it's foolishness not to listen to that. Right. It, it's it's ridiculous to say, well, 
that's nice, but we're going to keep doing this other, we're going to keep go doing bigger and more extravagant mm-hmm. events and making sure that we cater to the people who may or may not be here yet and may or may not stay like, yeah, that's a dangerous place to be in because then you turn off the people who are in your church Yeah, to wanting to be a part of the church. Instead of catering to the people who you want to come to your church, why don't you cater to the people who are in your church and then equip those people to go out and get people into your church? Yeah. You know, we oftentimes we we set up growth as this thing that you have to do. You have to do X, Y, and Z to get people in. And then once they're in, you have to do X, Y, and Z to keep them there. Yeah. Instead of, Hey, why don't you just do X? X being preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Teach your people what the Bible says. Yeah. Teach them how to be discipled and disciple. And then teach them how to go out into their community and then do that. And then leave the rest of it up to God. If you have a 10,000-member church, fantastic. You have a 10,000-member church. If you have a 200-member church, fantastic. You have a 200-member church. You know, Again, the one of the points of Philippians is contentment. Contentment in your situation. Yeah. Not everybody is a 10,000-member church. And so we don't need to think that the 10,000-member church has something figured out that the 200-member church doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because it's just not true. Yeah. Being, being bigger has nothing to do with success. No, it doesn't. And I, th- I think D.A. Carson, there was a quote that, that was pulled, that we pulled from the, you, I think you pulled this one, mm-hmm. from the commentary. Much Christian character is as much caught as taught. And, and understand that. Caught as taught. Mm-hmm. You can get Christian character by being associated with other Christians. And it's those people are going to rub off on you. He says it's picked up by constant association with mature Christians. Modeling. Modeling takes time, and it'll take a lot of time that our society today doesn't necessarily want to invest. We yeah. want everything now, and we want it sensational, and we want it great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, true discipleship happens over the course of years. Yeah. It's not something that can be done in six weeks. Mm-mm. Like. People can grow in six weeks. People can change in six weeks. But in order to become true disciples of Jesus, like there is, you have to be committed to growing in your walk with Him for months and months. Yes. In order to get to a place where you can now lead others to also be a disciple. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what Paul is pointing out right here. He's pointing out. Mm Timothy, and he's pointing out Epaphroditus. That yep. that was the introduction. Now we're going to get into the meat. <laughs> Again, I feel like the old SBC. SBC. All right, now our, point number one. <laughs> there's our 45-minute introduction. Now Gosh, let's get okay. to the sermon. <laughs> All right, so so we're looking at Timothy. We're looking at Epaphroditus. Um, yeah. Let's, let's start with Timothy because that's where Paul starts. So uh, Timothy's like a son to Paul, right? In, in 1 mm-hmm. Timothy 1, um, Paul calls him a... A true child of the faith, or true child yep. in the faith. Um, Timothy has compassion. We see that in verses 20 and 21 here. Um, Paul says that he has no one else like-minded as Timothy. And yeah. if I think if Timothy knew how big of a compliment that was, mm-hmm. like he would go to Paul and be like, man, you have got to take that out of that letter. 
<laughs> like, like you can, you cannot write that because like I, there's no way I can even measure up yeah. to that. But I think that just shows the amount of admiration and respect that Paul had for yeah. Timothy. And, yeah. and, and, and I, I've heard it in discipleship, you know, discipleship trainings or discipleship leadership, whatever things all the time, like have yourself a Timothy, someone that you're training up to mm-hmm. do the work you're currently doing now so that you can go to do something else. That's right. And, and I mean, we as believers, we all need to be looking for that Timothy. Who, who are yeah. we pouring into? Um, I don't know. It's, it's very, like I said, if Timothy knew what Paul was writing about him. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, if you've ever had that time where you have somebody who's like a mentor to you, and then they say something, it you know, maybe it's in a group of people or they say something and it's very flattering towards you. And if you, you know, if you're in that situation and you're thinking to yourself, man, this is, this is the person, this is the guy who taught me everything, everything that I know this guy has taught me. And he's sitting here saying this about me, like I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. It like, it feels weird yeah. and it feels uncomfortable. And I, you know, I don't know, but eventually you get to the point where you have enough respect for your mentor and your mentor has enough respect for you to where he feels, you know, the mentor feels like I've taught this guy everything and now I need to rely on his wisdom and knowledge. And, and I feel like that's kind of like, that's the dynamic between Paul and Timothy Mm -hmm. is Paul has invested so much into Timothy that he's like, man, this guy is like my son. I trust him. I trust what he says. I'm going to ask his opinion on some things, you know, because I want to. I want to make sure that I'm keeping myself in check. And so, right. you get this back and forth thing, and and that's really that's the that's built out of the compassion that Paul has, but it's also built out of the companionship they have together. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And what it really speaks of in in that those two in their relationship is is this idea of a legacy. Yeah. And you know, you you talked about having yourself a Timothy, and that's exactly right. Everyone, we should have ourselves a Timothy because how are we going to pass on our knowledge to the next generation if we're not instilling our knowledge into somebody? Yeah. You know, and building that legacy and and you know, there's there's people in my life that that I will say have taught me a ton. And then there's, you know, people that I'm going to teach a ton to, and I hope that I can have people in my life that will say, man, I really appreciated Anthony because he taught me a ton. Mm-hmm. And and it will be, you know, it's it's just the continuation of that that faith of the of the gospel and and living the Christian life. I hope that I can work that and teach that in somebody's life. And you know, I have a couple of guys that that I talk to on a regular basis and and you know i hope that one of those guys would say that about me one day you know that's that's what i can hope uh is that i'm living up to that expectation that paul is laying down here in the gospel yeah so yeah but you have this idea of legacy you have the companionship yeah and talk about let's talk about timothy and paul and specifically timothy's character here for a second okay Timothy had a proven character, and Paul talks about it in verse, where was it, 23? But you know Timothy, uh, 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me Mm -hmm. in the gospel. And 
the only thing I can think right there is integrity matters. Yeah. You know? And if you're not teaching somebody integrity, then they're not going to understand why integrity matters. Yeah. But if you don't have integrity, then people are going to begin to see integrity as something that can fall by the wayside. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's that whole idea of if people can't trust what you say, they won't trust what you do. And if you're right, if you're one person out in the open and another person behind closed doors, mm-hmm. your closest confidants are going to know that. Yeah. Your, your Timothys or however you want to put it, they're going to know that. Yeah. And so at some point when it all falls apart, they're not going to be surprised. No. And so if you, and th- I think this comes back to like, uh, it there, we have responsibilities to be individuals of integrity. Mm-hmm regardless of who's watching right knowing that when i when we speak into the lives of someone who's less mature in the faith or when we're trying to teach somebody how to be more like jesus that way our our words can have weight and we can yeah. actually actually encourage change in life or yeah. encourage change in their life I'm not sure if I worded that right after it made sense, but like if you're one person behind closed doors and another person out in the open, eventually it'll catch up to you. Yeah. It, I mean, it will. And I think there's example after example of that, not only from scripture, but even in our modern day context. Yeah. Um, you know, we hear about pastor after pastor falling to, you know, all kinds of sins. Most mm-hmm. of them, unfortunately, are sexual sins. Yep. And we hear about pastors having affairs and and all this kind of stuff. And that pastor loses, you know, their their word. They they lose their integrity. Yeah. When something like that happens, um, something. I mean, this is kind of a pop culture reference to to put this to. But in recent days, um, Prince Andrew over in the United Kingdom has had a, a lawsuit settlement with a lady who made some very, very serious accusations to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up settling out of court and, you know, they, I don't think they gave a lot of details. I didn't read a bunch of details, but um, Prince Andrew, who was the, he's the little brother to Prince Charles, who is next in line to be the King of Britain, I guess it is. Um, he is, I mean, he has been stripped of all of his royal titles. Um, he's got, I mean, he's still technically in in succession to be king if Prince Charles dies, both of Prince Charles's son dies, and, like, the three other sons that are grandchildren. Like, I mean, he's, like, ninth or something like that. It's something weird. It's mm-hmm. probably not going to happen. But if right. a freak event happened, and he was, I mean, but... In the in the eyes of a lot of people in Britain right now, Prince Charles is basically a nobody. Mm. You know, he may be he may still be a part of the royal family, but he doesn't have the clout. He doesn't have the integrity. He doesn't have he doesn't have the the what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's not cl- something like clout. He doesn't have the clout that comes with being a member of the royal family anymore because he made these. Mm-hmm. He he did whatever he did. He got you know charged with all kind of crazy, 
right. sexual allegations against him. But right. But it what it says is that, you know, in our day, in a day when everything seems to be relative and, and you can kind of make up your own identity and call it whatever you want to call it, at the end of the day, we still really count on our integrity. Yeah. We count on being a person who your yes is yes and your no is no. Mm-hmm. And and as a culture, I don't think we're ever really going to get away from that because the Bible teaches us that the law of God is written on our hearts. And so as much as we want to deny it, we're never really going to get away from it. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's, it's, it's important to note that Timothy was a man of integrity because Paul was a man of integrity. Yeah. And, and he taught him to be that. Yeah, and, and if Paul is training up Timothy... And it makes sense that Timothy is going to follow that example. So um, that's right. So that's all about Timothy. Yeah, not all There's about Timothy. Tim- that's not all about <laughs> Timothy, but that's all we're going to talk about Timothy tonight. Um, if you want to know more, read the book of Timothy. <laughs> First and second there's, Timothy. Let's see. There's two of them. <laughs> there's two of them. So uh, but now we're moving to Epaphroditus, and, and yep. I think it's important to note. I, I love that what you put here in the notes, Anthony. You said that just because he's second, he's the second choice, doesn't mean he's second best. Yeah. Um, just because you know Paul put Timothy first in the in the writing doesn't mean Epaphroditus mm-hmm. is any less important. Um, he's in Scripture, so he's pretty darn important. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean he's a member of the Philippian church. Paul still has this familial tie with him by calling him brother in verse twenty five. Um, my, uh, I'm reading from the Holman Christian. It says, "I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier." as well as mm-hmm. your messenger and minister to my need, um, since he's been longing for all of you. Um, so I think that shows, like, one, Paul cared about Epaphroditus as a brother, but also he cared about what the things that Epaphroditus cared about. Yeah. Epaphroditus wanted to, like, he was longing to go back to the church at Philippi when mm-hmm. they had heard that he had been sick. He Like, it, it, it feels like it grieved Epaphroditus that they were yeah. worried about him. Like yeah. he had that kind of tight, um, tight connection with with the church at Philippi. Um, yeah. But then Paul says in verse twenty six that even though he was sick, Epaphroditus continued in God's work, mm-hmm. um, and he's committed for this. He, I mean, he almost died. Like, yeah. Like Paul writes, <laughs> that's that the he, crazy part. <laughs> like, like he he nearly he he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him but also on me, that's Paul, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. And I think Paul's yeah. talking about there not just the grief of losing um, like a co-worker in the gospel, somebody mm-hmm. from the church, this church that Paul very obviously cares about, but somebody he ca- he counts as his brother. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's a very, this is a very important, you know, three or four verses of scripture. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone talk about Epaphroditus. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone preach on this entire passage, honestly. Um, but but it's it's you know Paul's concern was not only for the work of the gospel, but also for the well being of this man he counted as his brother. Yeah, absolutely. And that speaks volumes into what church staffs should be looking after in their church staffs. Hey now. The health of your staff is as important as the health of your congregation. Hmm. And 
a lot of times people who are on staff are kind of expected to be at everything, be involved in everything, donate to everything, tithe to everything, whatever it is that you're doing as a church, the church staff is expected to lead. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, I, I have heard pastors say that, you know, wealth is more than money. And, you know, every time I see one of those, I just want to comment, tithing is more than money. And mm-hmm. and it's it's because you you can talk about wealth and then you demand that your church members and your church staff give a specific amount of money. That's not in the New Testament. Don't ar- if you if you want to argue with me that ten percent is in the New Testament, I will ask you to point me to chapter and verse because the New Testament says we should give everything. Yeah, and ten percent was. Was not ten percent wasn't even the Old Testament. The Old Testament was twenty percent. So let's quit making up these BS things that we want to talk about to try to get people to give to the church because all we're interested in is putting money in the church. Yeah, sorry, I just <laughs> that's okay. But but it's it, it's aggravating because we we've put the focus on the wrong thing. Instead of talking about people, we're talking about money, and instead of talking about the gospel, we're talking about this next event that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And and churches in this day, I mean, this is a dude, Epaphroditus is a guy who almost lost his life serving the church because he worked himself till he was sick. Yeah. And and Paul is Paul is saying, "Hey, he served you guys until he was sick and he almost died." And I wonder how many people in churches, how many staff members in churches work themselves to the bone till they almost die. You know, you hear about staff members having heart attacks or aneurysms or strokes. How many staff members work themselves and stress themselves out to the point where they almost die and the the senior pastor of the church basically doesn't give a about them. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, Dang, that, Anthony, that's, chill. That's the way. I, that's the way I feel about this. Sometimes I, I understand. No, and I mean to go along with that, like not to take anything away from the, um, the physical, like the physical strain of working at the church, but think about mm-hmm. the emotional or the spiritual strain. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're if you've ever worked on a church staff, which Anthony and I have both done, you know, yeah. you're basically on call at all hours of the day in any like in case of emergency kind of thing and it really can end up putting a bad taste in your mouth for the church or for jesus in general like Mm -hmm. i I, like just being super honest i struggled for a long time with why certain like why certain things were happening to me in my job yeah, because of the situation I was in mm-hmm. at my job, and that hurts. Yeah, because you're you're working for the church and you're doing ministry things, and like you're like, I think people get this like, you know, this this misconception of like, oh, working for the church is so great because you're doing the work of the Lord at, for your nine to five job, and I'm like, it may sound great. But I don't ever get to turn it off. Yeah. 
I, I don't ever get to turn off because my my role is <clears throat> this, this, and this. And I even when I'm trying to worship and I'm trying to sit under preaching, I'm having to think. Is does everyone is everything going the way it should be going? Is does everyone yeah. have what they need? Is everything being taken care of? Like yeah. I, I have been away from my church job for over two years. I still struggle with that. Yeah. And I'm oh, at, man. I go to a church <laughs> that I was never on the staff. I was never on staff at this church. Yeah. And and anytime something goes on goes wrong, I'm like, uh, hey, uh so hey, someone anyone <laughs> you know? And so there's a person for that. Where yeah, are you? <laughs> yeah, I used to be the guy, but I don't want to be the guy. So, but like, but it does. Like, you don't want. I don't know. I'm. So don't don't hear me say that. Like, if you work for a church, like you're doing something obviously wrong. Like, some people are wired to do it, and some people are really great at it. But don't neglect your need for personal time. in corporate worship. You know, worshiping the Lord, sitting, yeah. sitting under preaching, doing whatever it, whatever you need to feed your soul. Yeah, because your church feels like you have to be at your post every single yeah. time the door is open. I think that that's really what Anthony was getting at. There is like the expectation of church staff to always be on the clock mm-hmm. every time the door is open. Sometimes you just need to be there. Yeah. And maybe Absolutely. you maybe you don't need to be at the church that you're on staff for. Yeah. You know? Yes. Oof. Absolutely all of that. Careful. And <laughs> that'll preach. It I mean it's it's one of those things that, that Michael and I have both been um burned by. And so we we both tend to get passionate about it. And some of us more than others, <laughs> me, me typically more than Michael. Um, but, but it's, you know, it, I get passionate about it because I've seen it firsthand and I know how to fix it, but I, but it's like, I can't fix it. And so it, it, it makes me angry. Maybe that's something I need to work on in myself. I don't know. You know, I probably do need to work on that, but it still makes me angry when I see people who are serving the church get abused. Yeah. And and not abused like we would think, you know, oh, that person was was sexually abused or mentally abused or or whatever. I mean, they're just abused in what is expected of them. Yeah. They're just they're, they're, they're put just, under unrealistic expectations. They're just taken advantage of by Exactly. what they're required to do and and not does it seems like they're never appreciated for yes all the things that they do yes and yeah. i mean and i can name i could name people in churches right now working for churches right now that i feel like are being taken advantage of in their position and they yeah. either they may not agree with me but i know what they do i know how much work they put in and i know how much they're rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. I know what they're, you know, I know about what they're paid. I don't I, mean, I may not know exactly, but I know that at the end of the day what they do and what they get paid to do is two different things. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. But let's let's wrap this up because we we've, we've talked about a and that kind of went down a trail that that 
I don't think either of us were really expecting. <laughs> no, we weren't, but that's okay. Listen, we have our notes and we follow them to the best of our ability sometimes. But sometimes you're walking down a path and you see a little like detour and you end up yes. going like way off of the direction <laughs> you're supposed to go, but you end up back on the path and that's kind of where we're at. That's right. So we're got we're we're wrapping this up tonight. So how we've how do, how a do, long detour. <laughs> how do we apply what we've discussed tonight? What what are the, what are kind of the application points here? So, let's take this home. The the when you're talking about this passage, talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus, one of the things that we need to learn is that serving Jesus and others is going to cost you. And and neither of us are saying that working a church should be an easy road. It's going to be a hard road. It's going to take a lot of work. Um, but the Christian life is going to take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just about staff members or church people. Just the Christian life in general is going to take a lot of work. Yeah. And so you're serving others, but you're serving Jesus as well. And it's it's going to be a hard road. And and we've beat that horse plenty of times. So what's the what's our next application? Um so so deep relationships are formed when you're when you are on mission with brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Like Paul passionately loves Timothy, passionately loves Epaphroditus, calls Epaphroditus yeah. a brother. Um mm-hmm. and and this is a guy who nearly died for the gospel and and Paul says um he calls him a brother. So so when you are on mission with your brothers and sisters, you're going to develop those deep relationships. Yeah. Um, they may lead you to starting a podcast and ending up talking about it <laughs> years later. In a very passionate way. In a very passionate way. Um, <laughs> and and what's, what's, the final, what's the final point there? So our final take home is that the church is always going to be sustained and enriched and built up by people who are unsung heroes, mm. the people that you never hear about. Um, Grandma Myrtle, who prayed every day for 173 years, that's the people who are sustaining the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and it's it's those kind of people who continue to do the consistent day in, day out work of the gospel. Yeah. And and just a note that I have from the, is is remember back at the beginning of chapter two. We had these two verses right here that are kind of an encouragement and a wrap-up for what we've talked about really all of tonight, which is uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Mm. And if all of the church took those two verses quite literally, then we would have a church that is focused and centralized on serving people in the humility and the um, imitation of Christ. Yeah. And it would be a church that looks drastically different than what we see today in a lot of popular culture. Mm. And I firmly believe that. So. Agreed. Well, Anthony, why don't you uh, pray for us tonight, and we will uh, wrap it up. Let's do it. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for uh, our discussion. I thank you for Michael and and for what he means to me as a brother in Christ and and as a dear friend. Um, I'm thankful that we get to have these conversations. Uh, uh, I wish we could have them every night, but, but we don't have time for that, so we get to have them once a week, and I'm so grateful for this time. And and God, I pray for everybody who has heard our conversation and 
where we've messed up in our conversation. God, I pray that you would bless it and anoint it, um, that you would use it, and and that people would understand uh, the heart that we're coming from is a heart to see the church built up. And and sometimes we can let our passions get in the way, um, or we can let our thoughts get in the way. But God, I pray that through all of that, you would glorify your name and use this discussion for your glory. And God, I pray that people would see ways that they can serve the church. And God, I pray for church staffs and for church leaders that have to deal with these struggles on a daily basis, God. I pray that you would lead them and guide them in wisdom, that they would seek after you, that they would seek the wisdom from you, God. As James tells us, that if we're lacking in wisdom, that we should ask for it, God. I pray that they would ask for wisdom so that they can know how to lead your church the best way that will lead to the most glory for you. And so, God, we ask all of this and we pray all of this in the mighty and strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they want to get a hold of us on social media places, where would they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast and looking for our logo there. Uh, you can email us at beersandbiblepodcast.com. And you can also visit our website, beersandbiblepodcast.com, and pick up some BMB merch. Swag! Swag it up. You can reach out to us on any of those social media uh, platforms with any questions you have about anything we've discussed. Or if you have any uh, beer suggestions you'd like for us to uh, consider in the future. Or if you have a book of the Bible you think would be good for us to uh, potentially discuss in future episodes as well. Boom. Well, until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out. Peace out.